Open your Bibles, if you would, to Luke, the 15th chapter. Luke, chapter 15. We are going to be wrapping up our uh, series of lessons on parables tonight. This is the 12th lesson in this series, plus an introduction, so we've been at this for a while. Um, I hope it's been a good study for you. I know it has been for me. Um, looking at our, some of our Lord's parables, not all, but some, and looking for that central meaning that we can glean um, from each one. And really, uh, such deep spiritual meanings in these simple teachings. And I think that's one reason parables are so um, beloved among brethren. So we're continuing... Um, in the series, and in the last set, of seri uh, last set of lessons we've looked at, uh, deal with our citizenship in the kingdom. And so, uh, tonight's lesson, will, like I said, we'll be closing this out, and we'll be looking at that. And tonight I want to conclude the series by talking about three parables that deal with lost things. And we find these things here in Luke chapter 15. So, again, I encourage you to open your Bibles there to Luke chapter 15. We'll read all three of the parables here in just a moment, uh, but we'll spend the, the most of our time in the details of the parable of the prodigal son, uh, as you would imagine that we would. The parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin are also included here. Those are rather short, um, again, a powerful meaning in each one, but for the sake of time, we'll spend uh, most of our time looking at the details in the prodigal son. Each of these parables speaks about rejoicing over something uh, found that at one time was lost. And so let's read these three, and then we'll go back and look at some of the details here in the parable of the lost son, or more commonly referred to as the parable of the prodigal son. So here in chapter 15, let's begin in verse 3. And we read here the first the parable of the lost sheep. It says, And he told them this parable, saying, what man among you, if he has a hundred sheep and has lost one of them, does not leave the ninety-nine in the open pasture and go after the one which is lost until he finds it? And when he has found it, he lays it on his shoulders, rejoicing. And when he comes home, he calls together his friends and his neighbors, saying to them, Rejoice with me, for I have found my sheep which was lost. I tell you, in the same way, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Verse 8. Or what woman, if she has ten silver coins and loses one coin, does not light a lamp and sweep the house and search carefully until she finds it? And when she has found it, she calls together her friends and neighbors, saying, Rejoice with me, for I have found one coin which, which I had lost. In the same way, I tell you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God, over one sinner who repents. And he said, verse 11, a certain man had two sons, and the younger of them said to his father, Father, give me the share of my estate that falls, on, uh, falls to me. And he divided the wealth between them. And not many days after this, the younger son gathered everything together and went on a journey into a distant country. And there he squandered his estate with loose living. Now, when he had spent everything, a severe famine occurred in that country, and he began to be in need. And he went and attached himself to one of the citizens of the country, and he set him into his fields to feed swine. 
And when he was longing to fill his stomach with the pods that the swine were eating, and no one was giving him anything. But when he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired men have more than enough bread? But I am dying here with hunger. I will get up and go to my father and will say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me as one of your hired men. And he got up and came to his father. But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and felt compassion for him and ran and embraced him and kissed him. And the son said to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and in your sight. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father said to his slaves, quickly bring out the best robe and put it on him and put a ring on his hand and sandals on his feet and bring the fattened calf, kill it and let us eat and be merry. For this son of mine was dead and has come to life again. He was lost and has been found. And they began to be merry. Now his older son was in the field. And when he came to approach the house, he heard music and dancing. And he summoned one of the servants and began inquiring what these things might be. And he said to him, your brother has come and your father has killed the fattened calf because he has received him back safe and sound. But he became angry and was not willing to go in. And his father came out and began entreating him. But he answered and said to his father, look, for so many years I have been serving you. And I have never neglected the command of yours. And yet you have never given me a kid that I might be merry with my friends. But when the son of yours came, he was devoured, or who has devoured your wealth with harlots, you killed, and fattened, uh, killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, My child, you have always been with me, and all that is mine is yours. But we had to be merry and rejoice, for this brother of yours was dead and has begun to live and was lost and has been found. So here we have three back-to-back parables dealing with lost things. The parable of the lost sheep and the lost coin, like I said, very short, very to the point, powerful messages each about the one that has the lost sheep and leaves the 99 in the field to go after the one. And he finds that one and brings it back on his shoulders, rejoicing that he has found the lost sheep. Similarly, the woman who lost the coin sweeps the house to find the one coin. And when she does, she rejoices and invites those around her to rejoice with her because this thing that has been lost is now found. And in each one of those, we have a, a glimpse into heaven, what our Lord says there, that the rejoicing that's going on in heaven when a sinner turns and becomes part of the fold. We have that little glimpse into heaven in each one of those things, each one of those parables. The parable of the prodigal son, of course, like we said, is, is a uh, very familiar one to us. A man has two sons, and one of them wants his inheritance. He wants it now. So his father agrees and gives him his inheritance, and the son blows it on wasteful living, on prodigal living, as New King James renders it there. That word prodigal just meaning wasteful. That's where the name comes from, prodigal. And so he's hungry now. He, he's, way, he's, he's spent all the money that he has been given from his father, his inheritance. And there's a famine in the land, and he's hungry. And so he gets a job. And what is his job? Feeding pigs. That's one of those 
lower than low kind of jobs. We see where this man has fallen to. He gets so low that he decides he's going to go back to his father. And he's going to confess his sins to him. And see if he will hire him back as a worker. Rather than being a son to this father, he's going to come back and just be a worker. His father instead welcomes him back. Welcomes him back with open arms. Has a feast for him. Puts clothes on him. Ring on his finger. Sandals on his feet. Kill the fattened calf. The son's brother, meanwhile, is out in the field. Here's the rejoicing that's going on. Wonders what's going on. So the servant tells him that his brother has returned and they're making merry. Having a feast. Celebrating his return. And as you might imagine, he was pretty jealous. He was pretty angry. And he tells his father that he's done everything his father's asking him. And he has never gone away and blown his inheritance. Tells his father that he never did anything like his brother did. But now you're giving him a feast. And the father says, yes, indeed you have. Yes, indeed you have been a loyal son to me. And he says, all that I have is yours. Not taking anything away from him. But he says there, your brother was lost and now is found. He says he was, he was dead and now is alive, that figurative way. He said there must be rejoicing over this. So again, the rejoicing comes into play. Here it's, it's all earthly that we see in the story, but there's the rejoicing over this lost and now found son. So what do we glean from, from all three of these parables? Obviously, what we've been talking about is this idea of something being lost and, and, and then being found. There's much to say about the prodigal son, but let's consider all three of these as we, as we look to the lessons that we, that we see here. Rejoicing over finding something that was lost. And as is often the case, uh, the, the setting of the parables is important. Go back to verses 1 and 2 here in chapter 15. It says, Now the tax gatherers and the sinners were coming near him to listen to him. We know, of course, how um, the Jews felt about tax gatherers. These were... Low lives, if you'll pardon the phrase there, but didn't have a whole lot of regard for tax gatherers. So there's tax gatherers and there's sinners, and they're coming to listen to the Lord. And as often the case, we see the Pharisees grumbling at this. It says, verse 2, And both the Pharisees and scribes began to grumble, saying, This man receives sinners and eats with them. Pharisees and scribes, in, in their holier-than-thou mindset, they couldn't understand why Jesus would keep company with such people. Why would he keep company with tax gatherers and sinners? So with that in mind, Jesus tells them these three parables and tells them the, the, the story here about the rejoicing over those things that were lost and now found. You know, Jesus came, it came into the world to find lost things, didn't he? 
And Luke 19 and verse 10 says, For the Son of Man has come to seek and save that which was lost. This was part of his mission in coming into the world of finding and saving sinners. And we often see him eating with sinners, letting sinners touch him, being in their company, ministering to them. He didn't have the same problem that, that the scribes and the Pharisees had. We see that they didn't want to keep company with these kinds of people. But Jesus, this was a part of his ministry. He says, I have come to seek and save the lost. Notice in each one of these that there's, there's rejoicing that takes place on earth. With the lost sheep and with the lost coin, we see these two inviting people to come and celebrate with them. Because they found this thing that was lost. There's rejoicing in the story. But all three demonstrate how happy the person is who has found that which is lost. Each one of them shows the happiness that they have for finding this lost thing. Seems like such a simple point, but it's something that we'll make application on in just a moment. There's rejoicing in each one of these. We also see in the two uh, first parables that God is more pleased over the lost and found over the ones that were never lost in the first place. He says there's, there's more rejoicing in heaven over that one that is found than over the 99. This should be our attitude. This needs to be our attitude. If we call ourselves children of God, then there's a level of expectation that he holds over us. We should be righteous. We should be living a godly life simply because we are Christians, simply because this is our rightful service. In Luke 17 and verse 10, it says, So you too, when you do all things which are commanded, you say, We are unworthy slaves. We have done only that which we ought to have done. There's a certain level of expectation that God has for us and being Christians. So there's great joy when the lost sheep comes back into the fold. This means that another lost sinner has come to the kingdom. The parables of the lost coin and the, and the, and the sheep tell us about the rejoicing that takes place in heaven over this. It says there's much rejoicing in heaven over these things. The lesson that we can take away from that is, again, that we should be rejoicing in this same way. We see these two calling together friends, saying, come rejoice with me. I found the sheep. I found the coin. There's much rejoicing in that. That should be our same attitude. We shouldn't get bogged down or, or haughty in thinking that, well, I've been righteous since I became a child of God. That's kind of the attitude that we see with the prodigal son's brother, isn't it? He tells his father, I've done all these things since I, you know, all these years. You've never killed a fatted calf for me. But our attitude needs to be rejoicing over that one that comes into the fold. 
Not only are we to rejoice when they are found, but we need to be act actively seeking the lost. In the sheep and the coin, we see that the man and the woman are actively seeking these things that are lost. The sheep herder there leaves the 99 and he goes out to find that one that is lost. With the woman, she, it says that um, she lights a lamp and sweeps the house and searches carefully until she finds it. There's an active searching going on for this thing that is lost. That needs to be our attitude. Paul says to imitate me as I imitate Christ. There in 1 Corinthians 11, verse 1. We need to be imitators of Christ. We need to seek and save that which is lost. So it's our duty as Christians to seek out and save them, those that are lost. Now, of course, we don't do the saving part. We leave that up to God. But you get my sentiment. Yes, there's rejoicing we can rejoice together when there are sinners that come into the fold, but we need to be the one that's out there looking for them, too. Actively seeking those that are lost. Three parables here, back to back, that our Lord teaches. And the context is important. Both the Pharisees and the scribes begin to grumble, say, this man receives sinners and eats with them. Let's, let, let's not let that be our attitude. Let's not get caught up in social ranking and, and think more highly of ourselves than we ought. Jesus engaged with these people. He wasn't above them. We shouldn't have that attitude either. We should be willing to be seeking out those that are lost and rejoicing when they come back into the fold. You know, our Lord's parables are really a treasure trove of godly, on godly living. We find, about, uh, we find out about the king, we find out about the kingdom, we find, about, find out about being citizens in the kingdom, how we are to live godly lives, the nature of our king, the nature of this kingdom in which we are a part of. Our, our Lord uses simple stories to illustrate strong messages about faith and service. And we've looked at several parables over these last 12 lessons. There's some we didn't mention, of course. We didn't, we didn't study all of them. We studied quite a few. I urge you to go back Read these again. Read them more. We've got these lessons posted online. If you want to hear them, you can hear them again. Get lost in the story of these. Meditate on the meaning that our Lord is putting forth. These parables are so rich and they're so powerful in shaping us as children of God. Word of caution. I'll caution you not to try to look for meaning in each detail, in each and every little detail. These are stories that are told. There's characters in the stories. There's settings in the story. Those all speak to the story. 
Look for that central meaning. Look and see what our Lord is trying to tell us. This spiritual meaning that's in this earthly story. And that's what the parables are. Colossians 3.16 says, Let the word of Christ richly dwell within you. I think that when you think about the word of Christ and dwelling in us, I think about parables, how they can dwell in us. These are stories that we can take along with us. We don't always have to have the, the, the word of God right in front of us for these stories to be called to our mind. If you think about the Good Samaritan, you know the story about the Good Samaritan. If you think about the prodigal son, you know the story about the prodigal son. These are powerful messages. Let that richly dwell within you. I hope this series has been edifying for you and encouraging for you. Again, I urge you to continue reading more and more of our Lord's parables and putting those meanings, putting those applications into practice in your own lives. We offer an invitation at the end of our time here together. If you need to become a child of God, the things are ready to, to make that happen. If you, as a child of God, have strained, uh, strayed from these messages, these teachings and the parables, and you need to make something right, if it's of a private nature, then make that, make that correction, make that known to God. Ask God for forgiveness. The sun is still up. There's still a few hours left in this day. Make things right before this day is over. Whatever your needs might be, you can let them be known by coming forward as we stand and sing to encourage you.